do you want to be the host of this one or should I continue? I'm happy if you want to be the host. Uh, I've never been the host before. Yeah, all right. I guess I can give it a go. There's no uh, right or wrong way to do this, right? No, I mean, look, I'm look. If I can do it, anyone can do it. That's how I'm. So I'm looking just, at it. You're so good at it. That's the thing. It just comes naturally to me. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want this to be. I don't want this to be just only a, a me as the host. You know, it's not just me. You know, it's it's all of us. I think. All right, sure. Okay. Give it a go. Let's see how Let's we go. go. I feel like I need a warm up now. It's not natural anymore. <laughs> Ah, uh, you'll be fine. You'll be right. I mean, look, you think I know what I'm doing? My motifs change from week to week, so you'll be right. Oh, I need a motif. I need to think of something. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, mate. You All don't right, need cool. to Go for it. Hit, it. hit us with that intro. Welcome to Board Game Gateway, Episode 5. Um... Board Game Gateway, where you're constantly asking yourself, is it my turn? Yes, it is. <laughs> Welcome to the episode. It's <laughs> um, better than any motif I could have come up with. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah, there's always that constant panic when you're like, it's my Ooh. turn. Oh, shit. Oh, uh, but yeah, I am your host this evening. Uh, my name is Ralph, and joining me tonight is Neba. Hello. Hello. Yes, Hello. Yes, I didn't... I didn't call you Anthony this time. So. I noticed. I I noticed. Uh, I uh, and it, it felt natural, Ralph. It felt right. It felt good. Yeah, yeah I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It felt good. <laughs> and uh, the t- the main topic for this episode is meetup etiquette. So, what do you do when you're invited to a evening of board games, or even just going to somewhere like a local board game store? What to expect and basically how you should behave and how you expect people to behave and uh just so you don't panic and everyone's sort of going in for that good time of board gaming uh so yes what do you expect when someone invites you around for a board game uh well i i expect uh not a lot actually from uh from my uh people who come up to the meetups uh you know the main thing that i kind of uh I'm looking forward to when people come to the episode uh, come to like a gaming meetup at my house is primarily um, uh, have an open mind and um, expect to have some fun. I mean, look, I understand that uh, you know, we this hobby is still relatively niche for a lot of people. So uh, I expect that you know when people are coming to to come and have a have a fun time, you know, I, there's a lot of pressure. But uh, but that I also expect that they come with an open mind uh, and that, you know, they're, because I'm going to put some time into making sure you have a good time. So I look, I would think I would like you, if you were to come to my house to kind of just, you know, just be ready, be ready to, to play what it is that I put in front of you. I think, you know, De- you? definitely. I, I love to, um, basically have everyone settle in we have 20 minutes of chat or so and then i show them my collection and then i get a oh no there's so many so much choice (laughs) and um i I generally like to show off a little bit and uh sort of gauge what they're up for and uh we just sort of all dive in and everyone's excited you know once they find the theme of a game they really enjoy uh we generally dive right in yeah awesome Um, but me in Personally, I, I love coordinating events, and I, I know you too, you do as well, Nee. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, that's part of the reason. I mean, trying to get people into coming to your house and coming and to you know play some games. Kind of, you know, you have to have a bit of that bone, you know, to want to be able to organize and do that kind of stuff. I think we you know we should probably mention to people that uh, you know we are both you know administrators of a um, a Facebook group 
uh, who are called the MacArthur Board Gamers, who, uh, you know, they are, we are essentially a group of gamers in our local area. Um, and we're just about to hit 250 members, which is pretty dang good. Um, but I'm relatively new to it. I am only, I've been here for less than three months and I happen to meet you guys through this Facebook group and the uh, guys I should mention, yourself, Ralph, uh, Damien and Reese, who are the other three, and you three are the, basically the creators of the group. Um, yeah, and the founding fathers, as it were. <laughs> yeah, you guys. And I'm, look, I'm the ring-in who I'm just really super enthusiastic. And um, and I happen, you know, we talked about how we met on uh, episode number one of the podcast, uh, how we met through that. And then I happened to invite you to one of my, my events. And then I was like, hey, I'd really like to be a part of this. Um, so, you know, and I think the reason as well that, you know, we wanted to do this, this episode or the theme of this episode is cause, uh, we just attended or had our August meetup, uh, on Friday. Um, uh, so we're recording this on a Monday, but, uh, we, we, <laughs> and we both attended that, that meetup on Friday. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, we had, I think, 10 people turn up this time around to our yeah. our events, but our first event that we held last year, um, just sort of before the, the big lockdown, um, we got like a good 30 people there. And wow. uh, they weren't necessarily gamers. Uh, you know, I brought out a game called Anomia, which is just literally yelling uh, silly things out, the first thing that comes to your mind. And uh massive hit and since then you know we've had reoccurring people we've had the group grow people tell their friends locally um and then when we do events every three weeks or every month we get people there um but the main reason we started macarthur board gamers was literally i couldn't lure people to my house with candy so i decided to you know to we met. I met Reese, one of my friends locally, and uh, he sort of kickstarted this movement. Uh, and Damo, Damien was really keen for it as well. So, I suppose the main point of it is we just wanted to find like-minded gamers to play games with, and they're not all necessarily into the bigger games. As you know, some people just want to have a lighter game or a medium weight game on a Friday evening or even a Saturday. Mm. And uh, the group really is just to to meet people, like-minded people locally um so yeah i mean look and it, it's only growing at the moment and i think a lot of you know the group itself is primarily a meeting group as you said to meet like-minded people um and yeah. not only do we have these meetups going on but you know you and a lot of other people are organizing other events we're like hey i'm playing you know star wars outer rim and i you know we're going to the this place on friday night if you want to meet us up and, and yeah and, and come play and so yeah, it's really interesting to to see to see that, you know. Yeah, and um Ben who owns and runs the Game Traders, uh the Game Center, sorry, uh at Norellan has been great in helping us run these events and giving us that space to run these events. Yeah. But it's also uh important to highlight that we're not locked down to a venue. So MacArthur Board Gamers is really anywhere you want it to be. Uh so we've had gamers invite people to into their own homes. Uh and we had people you know, going to like Liverpool Catholic Club to play a game on a on a Saturday, um, just little things like that. So it really is, uh, and and we're actually kicking off another event um, of a social game called Blood on the Clock Tower at Ingleburn uh, Bowling Club. As yeah, well, just to that's gonna be that that's really space. exciting. Yeah, that's really exciting. I look and well, the the game center is our is our meetup place for yeah. our monthly meetup. We're also trying to expand that as well, which is pretty cool. Um, but look, I'd like to, if I may, I'd like to, before we talk about the group anymore, I'd love to talk about a couple of the games that we, we played, 
uh, at the meetup if we can, because one of them was new to me. Um, one was one that I owned, um, but you also played, uh, you played a new one as well, didn't you? I did. I played the Castles of Mad King Ludwig or Ludwig. Uh, one of the local gamers brought this along and was more than happy to to teach the table. Uh, I think there was four people playing. Um, mm-hmm. So it really is a simple gateway game, this one, and I quite enjoyed it because uh, what you're doing in the game is you want to build a castle and everyone is building a, a, their own castle and essentially the most points wins. But uh, you get different points for putting different parts of your castle together. So you might put a ballroom next to a garden and that will give you certain points or you might have a music room next to a buffet room and things like that so you constantly have lots of little tiny pieces and you're making a little uh, it's kind of like a blueprint or a map of a castle in a way the pieces aren't uh like tetris pieces are they they're actually like as far as i saw i didn't play this one with you i was playing on a different table but as far as i could see that the pieces themselves didn't look like they like they didn't fit or they fit together like the doors meet up but the actual pieces themselves kind of aren't like Tetris pieces. Is that right? Yeah, they're not quite Tetris pieces. They're all different shapes and sizes. So there's massive circles, there's rectangles, um, squares of all different sizes. And they have pictures of open doors and you want your doors to connect to the other pieces. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how you assemble your, your castle. But the interesting thing about this game is each round, so there's eight rounds and each round there's a certain finite amount of number of rooms that come out. Yep. And if you're, if it's your turn as the player, you actually get to set the cost of each of these pieces. So if you say, oh, Neve really right. wants this big square piece because that's perfect for him, I might set that at a really high price. So that way when right, Anthony okay. pays to buy it, that the money he uses to spend and what all the other players use to spend actually goes to you as you set the prices. So that's your way of right, keeping your income. Right. right, okay. So one player yeah. is the active player and you can be nice or you can set a bit of a grudge and you can try and have some fun times or whatever with... Yeah, so there's a bit of fun right, in set, right, right. setting the prices as to what people will pay for the perfect piece mm-hmm. of the mansion. Um, but essentially, you also want to have the opportunity to buy a piece as well. So you kind of don't want to set the piece that you want ridiculously high because you right. still have to pay the bank in that way. Um, right right but if you set it too low someone may sweep in and take it before you or something like that yeah exactly right Right. so there's really there's really two parts to the game here which is setting the price of the piece of all the pieces Um, Mm i'm hoping the one that is left over is the one that you wish to purchase yep uh because money is points at the end of the game as well it's not a lot of points you get more points for for building in your castle yep um and the other part of the game is actually building in the castle where certain rooms can't touch certain other rooms because right. they're worth okay. negative points. So there's a bit of there's a bit of thinking to do there, but overall not a lot. It's a really uh, I wouldn't say it's a basic game, but it's quite an easy gateway game and relaxing as well because you know you, all you're doing is grabbing little tiles and piecing them together in front of you. Yeah, but Board Game Geek rated it a two point six six weight, so right smack bang in that uh, that mid mid range game. So for those of you listening, if you don't understand what that means, basically the board game database, Board Game Geek, where everyone submits their weight ratings of games and whatnot, but they have a weight, and essentially one is the lowest, all the way up to five being the highest. So if you have a board game that's rated at two point five, it's kind of like what people would say is 
not the easiest game in the world, but also not the hardest. It's right in that sweet spot of being a kind of a, a mid midweight, you know, fun time to be had. Um, but how, how long did it take you to play though? Uh, was it? Um, um, you know, how did you how did you find your whole experience with with the game? Um, overall, pretty good. So um, overall, it took us with four players. It took us just over an hour, I believe, to to finish okay. it. But it it's one of those games where it didn't outstay its welcome. And uh, I That's personally, well, I wasn't very good at it. I finished last. I'm not very good at board games typically. So I had kind of this weird little blueprint of this smallest little castle. And then as I looked around the room and see what other players were building, they basically sprawled across half the table. Right. So, um, uh, so yeah, it's quite interesting because you all have the same choices, but you end up with something completely different based off the pieces you buy and put together. That's so, really uh, that, really interesting yeah. to hear you say, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's really interesting to hear you say the fact that you played it in under an hour. So would you would you play it again? You reckon you'd, you'd show it to other people? Uh, I would play it again. Uh, personally, it's it wasn't, to be completely honest with you, Nate, it, it wasn't really my type of game. Um, but I could definitely see the appeal for a nice relaxing evening with, with the parents or, or with a young kid and just uh, just picking the pieces and just piecing together the puzzle, really. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. So that was uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Uh, yeah. From 2014 game, so nearly 10 years old now. So that's pretty dang good. And designed by Ted Alspash. Alspash. Sorry, I've totally butchered his name. And the that's artist right. with Keith Curtis was out with the main artist there, published. Yeah, by so it, it definitely it definitely stood the test of time as well, being published 10 years ago. And I think this is the second edition of it as well. So yeah. uh, it definitely has a fan base out there. So um, well, any game that gets a second, it any, like a thing. any game that gets a second edition is pretty much. Um, you know, it, it must have something going for it if it's got enough people that want to. Yeah. So, Anthony, you said uh, you, you played something else on a different table. What did what did you play that evening? We did. So uh, whilst you were starting uh, and getting your uh, mad castles all together, uh, we were on the other table pretending to be 1920s gangsters. Uh, we were playing the game Wise Guys, which is designed by Phil Yates. And artist was Darko Ston, Stonjanovic. Um, and produced by Gale Force 9. So this is a really new game, actually. It's a Kickstarter that uh, came out at the end of last year, and the deliveries have only happened this year. So it's been released in 2022. It's a really, really new game. Um, oh, and hot off the press. <laughs> it is really hot off the presses. And I will say, this was a game that I didn't back, but I was so intrigued by the theme that when Rob, who is another member of the uh, gamer group, he, he said he's got this game, I'm like, I need to play this game because I really wanted to play it. I didn't back it because I was I I put myself on a Kickstarter freeze, um, and oh, those ki- those Kickstarters can add up, man. I know <laughs> so they quick. can. I know they can. So that's why I put myself on a freeze at that point. But so for those of you, so the game is quite a, a very interesting kind of take on a worker uh, worker movement uh, area control um, game where we each take control of a family of gangsters. Those gangsters can have like associates or named, you know, named men, you know, your big guys, um, you know, and you know, it, it, it literally lended itself to being like us talking like, ah, she, we're all 1920 gangsters, she, you get out of here, you know, yeah, it's like a picture full of lead, you know, that whole kind of like, <laughs> and literally for about, uh, whilst we were doing it, we were basically talking like that and playing up the, the, the funny part of it. So that was actually a lot of fun to do that. 
The way that the game works quite simply is over the course, you get a certain amount of rounds based on how many people that you have. And then you are trying to then go to these locations. Um, you're sending your mob to the locations and uh, to activate the specific uh, locations uh, abilities. Um, that may so, be something from like getting alcohol, getting guns, uh, it could even be something like, you know, getting more men. But the, the catch is you have to be the only one at the location to be able to, what they call, exploit the location. Oh, okay. So so to be able to actually use it, you have to be the only one there. So it's a mixture of, well, I'm going to send associates and my, my men around the board trying to put myself in areas that I want to use in order to activate these locations to benefit me. Um, each of the families has a strong suit. So, uh, for example, Reese was playing a family that was really good at attacking, so they wanted to get guns. Another, uh, my my guys were really good at actually getting alcohol because I could steal alcohol from people. That was my whole thing. And then the winner of the game is the person who gets the most amount of money. You get the money by uh, selling alcohol to the black market. There are other ways as well in other locations. They do uh, like translate you know guns into money. And then there's some actions and things that come out as well. Um, so to, from my, from what I understand of it is you're versing each other, but is there any point that you actually team up with another player for a bit? Not really. It's all okay. one versus one. So you don't actually team up with anyone. You can make deals with people. You can say, hey, go fight him and I'll give you something. Or you can say, hey, I think, you know, you should not go into this area or move out of this area and I'll let me in there and I'll give you something. So... Reese and I actually had a deal where I said to him, I go, hey, Reese, how much can I give you to get out of that dang spot because I didn't want to fight him because I know he's really good at fighting. And he said, two alcohol. And I said, I'll give you one now and one when you move out. <laughs> so nice. he goes, okay. So I gave him one under the proviso that he would get the second if he dang moved out of the place. And he did. He was mad so that I gave him his alcohol. Now, the game doesn't say you can't explicitly trade things, but it didn't say you can't. So we yeah. just said, well, why not? I can't see why you wouldn't like the gangs would be making deals. Um, and and then it's played over six rounds. So, you know, you get it anywhere from like four to seven, even up to nine actions per round. Um, so there's a lot going on. And because of that, the you really did feel like a gangster. I really did feel like putting moving my men into areas to try and stop opponents from using things. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a, a space called the, the, the hall where you can become the boss of bosses, right? So you're the, you know, the, the criminal underlord boss. And oh, you know, cool. if you get the boss of bosses, you're basically, uh, you get first action, but you also uh, dictate whatever happens in draws. So if me and this other person, we draw, then the boss of bosses gets to uh, say, sorry, you win. Or maybe you give me a bribe in the case you win. So there's a whole bunch of some funny things here. Um, there's like, you know, cards that like got to do with prohibition and guns and a whole bunch of things. So it, it, um, it was a lot of fun. It was, a, it was fun, but I also, towards the end of it, I really did start to feel like this, we were missing something. And it's, I, I think a lot of the fun came from us pretending to be gangsters and the theme kept us enwrapped, but the actual gameplay itself, I didn't really hook me. Um, Reese, who ended up coming second, I thought he was going to come third. He ended up beating me. Um, but he, he at one point had only like four or five actions at max per turn, whereas another player was having nine actions. And there didn't seem to be a way that he could get more actions without 
like properly like spending a turn or two turns nearly to build his thing up and by that point is we that, were uh, so far behind is there any uh asynchronous here where like one player has different abilities to a to another player sort of yeah thing? yeah there is so his so okay. each gang has one specific like passive and one specific active ability that you can do and so like for example reese's one was get one dollar mine was steal an alcohol from a person another person's was like get a gun or something like that right but yeah. it, it we did i did have some issues with it i didn't really i'm at the end of it going well first of all the box says it should be played in 90 minutes our play took us two and a half hours so it felt like by the end of the game i it did feel by the end of the game i'm like i really wanted this to be done at least an hour ago yeah. um so you know the and i don't i don't blame the players i don't think there, there was a little bit of ap going on around the place but not too much to the point where i go ah, oh, the um, players were slowing us down i don't think it was so that at all ap is analysis paralysis that is literally when someone's just t- overthinking their turn and they're, they're taking a while and the rest of the table's just kind of waiting around for them to yeah, finish their look, turn really yeah absolutely you're right and, and look we had people like thinking and i even thought right but there wasn't i didn't think the ap was bad enough that it should have slowed the day like it wasn't a player fault it felt like the game just was going for too long but then it also kind of became clear that we knew who was going to win but it felt like there was no way that anyone else could get into the game it felt like we knew who the winner was in round four but we yeah. still had two full rounds to play before we actually figured out who was actually going to win. I tell you um, what, as a, I was on a different table looking and watching the you guys play, and uh, it looked like a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it, there was many times where I saw everyone grab little things in their hands and reveal them at the same time, and a bit of a voting mechanic there or something. And yeah, you know, yeah, the, the terrible accents you guys were yeah. doing. <laughs> well, look, uh, and here's the thing: I I would like to try this again. I don't want to give up on it after only one play. I want to try it again with maybe a different group, maybe even like different play. Like now that I understand it just different people. I feel like with the right group, this could have a have a spot. I don't know if it would fit into my collection at the moment. It certainly did. What, it looks met, good. Um, it, just so people are understanding, the Wise Guys, though, is a re-implementation slash a reskinning of the game, like the Sons of Anarchy game. Uh, Men of Mayhem was what it was. So it's basically a reskinning of that game. Um, so if you've played Sons of Anarchy, then you will know how to play this game. It's basically the same thing. I think it, the Sons of Anarchy game, I think, had to do with they were dealing with drugs and other stuff that had to do with the TV show. So the publisher decided to reskin it to try and appeal it to a larger audience, oh, I believe. Much more family-friendly just with drugs and alcohol yeah, instead, pretty much. instead of yeah okay cool <laughs> yeah so yeah so like you know they tried to cartoony it up a bit more than you know have it so that it was like the sons of anarchy theme right so still not you know not a kid-friendly theme but also not you know complete adult bikey game sort of thing going on um yeah look, so it's set in the 1920s chicago so uh yeah yeah and apparently all the people who are named are actually real people um who were in the world as well, in, in that time as well so it's like it hasn't there. that's cool it wasn't a hard game by any stretch kind of understood it really quickly we got played through but i have to admit like it wasn't it was disheartening uh after the first play but I am not willing to give up on it yet. I would be down for a second play to see whether or not I would miss something or if there was a way that the interactions, because there is a modular board, so the locations do get to be changed. There are nine locations that come out throughout the game and, oh, sorry, nine or six or something like that. Yeah, so I they think it's cha- nine. Yeah, so, so they change uh, 
yeah, they change uh, from play to play. So maybe there's some bad locations, maybe there's some better ones. I don't know. But well, that's uh, it. like this is all just first impressions, really. Same as my sort of I wouldn't call it a review of the Castles of King Ludwig. Uh, yeah. It's purely first impressions. So uh, you know, we're definitely. Would love to play these games more. <laughs> oh, look, I love the art. I think from a yeah. presentation standpoint, it worked really well. Um, I'm not a fan of the, the, they have like the hidden boards, but the boards have got your round structure on it, but they angle it in a way for the hidden, to give you a hidden, you know, so you can hide stuff. It angles it away from your eye line up towards your eye. So to get it, you have to kind of like look down and do all this weird uh, stuff. So there's a couple of little things here and there where I'm like, it could be timed up, but the actual art itself and the actual presentation of the game, I actually really enjoyed. I thought it looked, I understood what was going on. Reese didn't, I believe he's colorblind. Uh, oh, I am know. as well. Oh, you are yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure. Sorry, Reese, if I'm doing that, but I, I do believe he, I thought I, I heard him say the red and the green look very similar. So if you have red, green blindness, I'm fairly certain it's from an accessibility standpoint, that can probably be an issue. Uh, yeah. So that's just something I've, to be aware of. I've definitely been hindered uh, by some games um, as well, as well as video games. They've gotten better nowadays, but board games, I find there's some games that are still pretty far behind and they should really do some further play testing with some colorblind people that's for sure yeah. i think that i think that's a um i think that's a also a, a, a discussion topic for us on certainly a definitely definitely accessibility um, in board games uh but we finished up the night quite well uh yes we did yeah. we, um so you played whilst we were finishing up wise guys you were playing hans of Teutonica. we're not going to talk about that game however but it, it was a good will, game though. <laughs> we will just say though that you're i will just say that you're you said to me when you played it it looks so much better in person than on tabletop simulator. I'm like, thank oh, yeah. you. That's what I've been trying to say, <laughs> but we'll move on from that. But then we ended the game with long shot, the dice game. Now long shot, the dice game is a, a roll and write version of long shot, which is another board game. Um, and this was only came to my door this year from Kickstarter. It made its way to my house in early March, I believe March, April around my birthday. And it is essentially a zany horse race uh an eight horse race one lap where we are all we are all doing a roll and write so there's a few actions that you can do which happen to be like getting you know taking the jersey of a horse which allows you to like uh, boost it on other horses um there's the the helmet there's like you know the concession stand where you go to get power-ups there's you can bet on the horses and then you can even buy the horses so there's a whole bunch of things going on here um but Ralph, we've both played this game before we got to here, but this yeah. was the first time we played it at eight players. We had yeah, everyone and, who was still there and we played eight players. I'll tell you what, aside from teaching people the game, which is over within five to 10 minutes. It um, took us 10 minutes, 10 minute teach for yeah. eight players, I think, yeah. And that was fantastic. Um, the game really captures what it feels like to be at the horse races uh, where everyone has their own little book sheet and everyone's betting on a horse. Um, uh, you watch the race. The race is extremely exciting. So the way the race works is you roll two dice and one dice is a D8. So it has eight sides on it and it has horses number one through to horse number eight. And when horse say number six is rolled, the other dice tells you how far, how many spaces it moves on the racetrack. And that's how you basically move the horse. And then that gives you further options to do things on your little booking sheet. Like Anthony said, just putting little helmet, putting a little jersey. Um, like if you 
take the jersey option. You can pick a horse and make it move a little bit faster in the future. So that that's um, the, that's the game mechanic that we really should. That's the crutch of this game, which is that yeah. every horse, not only when you move, let's say for example, we move horse number one, that you can also move. You have to cross. There has the horse number one has a whole bunch of crosses on the bottom from numbered from one to eight, and it starts off only with a couple. But you can start adding more crosses, and those crosses represent every other horse that will move one space when this horse moves, including itself. So you could have number one's going to move forward two spots, but also five, six, seven, and eight are all moving one spot as well. And that's where the fun starts to come into it because you're like, oh my God, these other horses keep moving no matter what I roll. It kind of has the feeling, I don't know if you've been to a baseball game before, but you actually, like Not you don't just, time. you don't just watch the stats. They actually give you a little book and you kind of keep the stats of the players as you watch, as you're watching the game. It kind of feels like that where something happens and then you're recording it on your own little book slip. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty – it just makes the sport exciting. Yeah, I think the other thing as well that makes this race really exciting is that we kind of mentioned that the concession stand is you're playing a mini game of bingo. You have a four-by-four four grid. You're trying to cross off numbers, and if you can get a, a horizontal or a vertical row finished, you get to get a power-up. And those power-ups can be something like you get a free $3 bet you can take a free jersey cross, a free helmet cross, or uh, get some money, you know, so, so you can have some more money to bet with. Or you can, and this is where the game gets really funny, is you can move the horses forward. You can move a horse forward three spots. You can move two horses forward two spots. Or you can move horses backwards, right? You can say, that horse is too far in front. I don't have a bet on it. He's moving back three spaces. So I'll give you guys an example. I'll give you guys an example of what happened in our last game. It was really exciting for me because I basically bet all my money on number seven, this one particular horse. And Anthony kept moving it back at the entire time. I was just cursing him. (laughs) Um, I was so close. I would have won the game if that horse finished like third, I think, because the cutoff. It was that what it was. Um, Yeah, it was when the third horse. And what I did was, though, because my horse was in fourth position and I had timed it in a way so that I finished my combo that I actually got a double action. So not only was I able to move my horse for like his horse back two spots. Mine went forward two spots and put myself, uh, you can't cross the finish line with these power-ups. You can put yourself on the finish line, but you have to get that roll. And then the next roll, uh, we pushed over and and, like, and we got it. Um, and so that, but like throughout the whole, it wasn't the first time that that it happened, was it, Ralph? I yeah, remember, no, like, it wasn't. It was like three times throughout that whole race. Like you were moving it forward. And I'm like, no, go back. He said, it doesn't want to go forward. <laughs> I'll tell you the, what, the, that race lasted like five minutes like the game prop doesn't take too too long and i was no. on tilt the entire time just so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot of fun and then the final thing that we should mention as well is that the horses not only can you bet on the horses but you can actually buy a horse and that ho- each horse has a unique ability that is then only available to you throughout the rest of the game so you know that could be something like hey every time that you finish a vertical row on the the concession stand you get an extra bet or hey at the end of the game for every bet on a horse you have you'll get two extra bonus dollars all right you know like extra money all these kind of variants and stuff and so the game actually comes the kickstarter version that i got also comes with three different sets of horses two mini expansions and then some track different different track conditions um so we in our second game we i we played the first game just the very base game and we finished the game with a teach in less than half an hour which was really good and everyone and then we just went do we want to do one more and everyone went 
Yeah, so we did. We did one more and we knocked out that next race in less than 15 minutes because uh, the so one horse nearly finished a lap before two horses even got off the yeah, start that was, line. That, that was um, insane. <laughs> but the game, if, if you're looking for a fun, it's, it is a little bit, it is light. However, you just have to get your head around the rules. The rules can be a little bit, um, I will say that once you understand the rules, it's great, but trying to get your head around what those rules actually are at the start can be a bit you know confusing to some people oh, i can do this what can i do what horses can i do can i only do this action uh that I, seemed I, to be I would the like biggest thing to, i would like to say like you also have to be okay with horse racing and gambling like that has ruined a lot of people's lives and you really have to be comfortable mm. with that sort of theme uh but it's a fantastic game and highly recommend that one uh it is sold out everywhere it's really that's another thing that's tilting me i can't get a copy of this game but <laughs> This is one of the reasons why why I backed it because I was like, it comes in like essentially the size of an old VHS tape. If you know how big that is, if you're too young to know what that is, I I, I feel old. But essentially, it's that very it's like a like a standard kind of book, right? Uh, it's very very small, very very compact to fit into a thing. It's reusable. Um, and you are right, Ralph. It does have that gambling aspect, and the way that you do win this game is actually primarily by uh, having your bets come off. That's primarily the way that you are going to win this game. So you have to be okay with the idea of like, oh, I'm going to chuck bets on these horses and whatnot. Yes, you're not gambling for real money, but that is a topic that people should be aware of just going into it, um, in case there are people who you are being sensitive and, and things like that. But uh, look, this is I've played this game. I've played this game now. Uh, over nearly nearly six nearly ten times i think uh well my log says i played it six times um but i have taught it to groups at four i taught it to groups at uh, three and i also now have this eight group and i have to admit even at eight it still plays the same because you're always involved whoever is the active player doesn't matter when someone rolls everyone does something so it doesn't matter you know, if what's, you're... you know what's odd and you can't say this about every game but i found the more people you have the faster the game is. Yeah, I found that too, yeah. Because more people are taking the jersey action, which will allow a horse to move a bit faster during the game. Yeah. So it really, it just makes the game faster the more people you have. <laughs> I mean, you, you tell me if you, this, you felt this. For me as well, I felt like when we were playing it with more players, it felt like it became less about strategy and more about, ah, whatever, I'm just going to put a thing down there, right? Because when you play yeah. with you're just like, oh, what's the best move? Maybe I should be bidding on that. But when you have eight players, everyone's like, seven. It's like, get on the seven train, boys. We're going all the way. And then it's like, everyone's like, yeah, let's get on seven. And it's like everyone <laughs> trying to get a horse to the finish line, even though yeah, it, they don't it own definitely, it. Definitely, it definitely felt like we we're at the races and everyone was a bookie or trying to find a bookie. It did. Uh, it yeah. was, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> It is one of my favorite roll and writes. Uh, it, it is a hybrid roll and write, obviously, because we have the board in the center. So there are things like which is not roll and write, but it is certainly up there with my favorite uh, yeah. roll and write. So that was uh, Long Shot the Dice Game by uh, Chris Handy. Uh, the artist was Klaus Souza and published by Perplexed. Um, so, you know, if you can get it, I highly recommend it. I mean, as you said, though, we can't get it at the moment, but uh, no. yeah, I, I will take, I'll take that one there. Definitely. Um, but I suppose just to, to sort of wind up this episode, and this is, might be a little bit of a longer segment, but uh, okay. I just want to talk about 
what I what I get up to on my birthday every year, and uh, I don't mean special times. Uh, I guess they are still special times <laughs> with friends. Um, <laughs> that's a different but, uh, podcast. That's a that's different a podcast. Different, we do. Uh, that's uh, we talked about gambling. This is definitely eighteen plus. But yeah, um, that's good. No, so uh, I like to get uh, a whole bunch of friends and family around, and uh, I kind of use my birthday as a thing, a guilt trip to getting them to play play a game with me <laughs> i'm sad yep. i know no I that's know. what that's how goobacon started goobacon was like this is my birthday event this is my thing i don't want you to throw me a party i want you to come and play no. games with me that's it that's, everyone's like what cake do you want i don't care i want to play a game <laughs> yep yep feel that um so one year we played a game called don't get got um which is a kind of a game you play for like seven players i believe or so but we played it with 20. Uh, and that's a lot of players wow that's a lot of players it was fantastic we played a different variant of it where everyone or i had all the little tasks in a bucket and basically people went and picked two and you'll only get another one after you complete one of them right uh so essentially what this game is i'll just talk about it fairly short but you'll get a task and that task uh might say get someone to go check their teeth right and what my wife did when she got that she spoke to me at the party and I was just talking to her, and then she goes, "Ralph, you have something in your teeth. Why don't you go to the bathroom and get it out?" And I went to the bathroom, checked my teeth, and then she followed me with a massive grin on her face. Um, so she got a point for that. But if I, I had any point said this is part of the game or is this part of the game, she yeah. can't target me, and she'll have to target someone else at the party. And I'll tell you what, right. I um. The prize was a, I made a, I think it was like a $30 movie voucher or something. And everyone in the party was playing this game. So my cousin was really committed to it. He fell down in the mud because it was a rainy night and I picked him up. He ruined his jeans and his task was get someone to help you up. And I'm like, (laughs) you're a... Like I was like, you're a dick. And uh, one of my mates, he's uh, he was moving to France in a few years. And my cousin just went, oh, you're moving to France. Do you know any French? And he starts talking French. And my cousin's like, oh, I got you. you, you I had to get someone to speak French to me. <laughs> so it created right, right, this, right. this crazy atmosphere. Everyone was yeah, tense. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So we, we had a cutoff. We played that till 11 p.m. And whoever did the most tasks... Uh, got the the thirty dollar movie voucher, so that That's was great. that was a lot of fun. Um, but this year, I've always wanted to play a social deduction game. Um, so we used to play a lot of Mafia or Werewolf, uh, mm-hmm. just via Fire Pit. I, I love a good Fire Pit. Um, the problem with Mafia is when you die, you sit out of the game. You're not even yeah. allowed allowed to talk anymore. Yeah. And I heard of this game called Blood on the Clock Tower, which is very similar, except everyone in the game has a special ability. And when you die in the game, you're not out. You can still talk. You can still be social. You're kind of like Casper the Friendly Ghost or uh, Nearly Headless Nick or something. You know, you're still there. Um, and what's really interesting is your voice still matters because you still get a vote. So essentially the way these type of games work is everyone's a good person being a townsfolk. Um, and then there's one demon, which is the bad guy that kills everyone. Yep. And it's the demon's job to kind of blend in with the good players, work out who a powerful good player is and kill them at night. Uh, there's parts of the game where everyone closes their eyes and the demon will point and kill a player. 
and the way the demon wins is by being one of the last two surviving players. Yep. And the way the good team win is they have to kill the demon. Right? So everyone, you sort of wake up the first day. You know, we had 12 players at my party this time around. And um, everyone was, most people were a good player. And you kind of all break off. You have your little chats and you suspect people because they're being dodgy. And everyone's got a special ability. But, you know, you might be a player called the monk, which will save other players from dying. So you might not necessarily want to tell everyone you're the monk because, you know, if you tell the demon, they might kill you sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, for a lot of people, this may be sounding a lot familiar to a very popular game that became massive during COVID. Uh, it's not a board game. It's actually a game called Among Us. Uh, oh, yes. And it, Among Us is basically based off this whole system of mafia and werewolf. And um, I have to admit, um, werewolf, uh, I refuse to play it anymore um because not be, uh, because i don't like the system i specifically don't like the fact that someone does not get to play the game at all because what happens yeah. in my werewolf is everyone gets their uh their cards you all shut your eyes and then the werewolf kills someone and then that player doesn't get to play the game they didn't even get they didn't even get a chance to defend themselves didn't do anything they're just gone and they're out for the yep. rest of the game. And depending on how many players, a game of Werewolf can take 40 to 45 minutes to play to an hour. And, um, and what's what's not great about Werewolf is you are just you just choose to kill someone on a whim. You have no mm. information to go off. Especially that first night. Yeah, that's really yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's just a hunch. Um, but with Blood on the Clock Tower, everyone has a role. And you might be um, someone called the Empath, which their ability is each night you get told and that tells you how many of your neighbors are good. Right, okay. So you know you can trust the people next to you or you can't trust them. Right. Sort of thing. And there's lots of different roles that get information. But what's interesting, the demon, the bad guy, he's not he or she, they're not on their own. They have minions. So there's yeah. typically two minions in a game and one of them's called the poisoner. And each night they pick a good person. And that means that person is poisoned and they get false information. Mm. So, so you might have a good empath that's getting told that none of his neighbors are evil, but he's sitting next to the demon. Right, right. So, right, yeah, okay. and so the game opens up and um, there are 20 roles in the beginner game, but everyone gets a big sheet. It's an A4 piece of paper that tells you all the roles. And it's up to you as a player to know who to trust and just to use that information. And the game always builds very nicely to a big crescendo. I think the game lasts like five days or so. It just depends. But it builds up nicely where all the good players kind of band together and you, they work out who they can trust or evil just wins. Um, I won't get just into win. the... It's always a close game, honestly. Yeah. If, if, if the storyteller or the, like the person running the game does their job um it always builds to a beautiful climax i think Um, i I think you're mentioning the biggest thing at least for me the biggest thing that makes me want to play blood on the clock tower compared to mafia which you haven't touched on until just then which is that this game though does have someone a basically a game master it has a person whose job is they know who's everyone everyone's role is they know who everyone is they know what is happening and not only that the rule book specifically states that the game master can change things on a whim if it makes a better story or a better game 
they're encouraged yeah, to do that and that's the moment where i'm like i would rather play this where i know that the game master is going to do things to make the game like not 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 to uh break the logic puzzle but to but to help this be an enjoyable experience for the people who are currently playing it because that's the reason why i will only play one night werewolf because i everyone's involved for the whole time and everyone does half truths and whatnot um and I, that's why I love it. But when you, you know, unfortunately I couldn't come to your party when you invited us. I was very disappointed because I really wanted to play this game um, because of of that. And you're right. This game has had a lot of hype for the past two years since Shut Up and Sit Down did their Kickstarter review. And then the game got delayed for two years due to COVID. And it is, a, is it, if I'm not mistaken, it's an Australian developer, isn't it? I'm, it's a, yeah, Australia, that's right. It's a, so it's Australian uh, designed. I believe the guys live around like King's Cross area uh, yep. or Darlinghurst area. Uh, but it is, they've got designers all around the world. Um, they've got uh, official storytellers all around the world. Um, there's a great YouTube channel called No Rolls Barred. And they kind of do amazing videos of them playing this game over mm. Zoom. Um, yep. And it's so entertaining. Uh, if you have a couple of hours to kill, I highly recommend you check out one of their Blood on the Clock Tower playthroughs. Mm. Uh, but with the whole storyteller keeping things balanced, it's it's all within reason and it doesn't necessarily break the logic of the game either. No. So at the end of the game, the storyteller basically goes through what happens during the game. And you kind of see their logic there. And you're like, yeah, I completely understand why the storyteller gave me false information because I would have worked out the whole thing sort of thing. Um, yeah, and that's why I'm looking forward yeah. to playing it as well. That's what I really want from this sort of social discussion game. Like I would rather have either a game, like for example, Search for Planet X, which uses an app to guide you through this logic puzzle or have a human emotion or someone who's like, no, no, there's a story here. We can tell something fun, but to do that, I'm going to have to do this in the story. And then I can tell you what I did at the end. I think that's, I love the fact that that's actually something that they do. So um, just so just we to we always like to give respect to the people who design these games though so i will say that the designer is a name uh, his name is Stephen medway the art was done by michaela dawn and john van fleet and the publisher was the pandemonium institute that's i think one of the coolest uh one of the coolest publisher names <laughs> yeah the, it's really cool but, but yeah like so that but yeah so it's, it's pretty there cool. um there are quite a few events uh, in Sydney where we're located that actually run this game if, if you're interested to try it. Uh, mm -hmm. There are gaming events at Penrith, at Castle Hill, uh, the Shakespeare Hotel in the city. Uh, and uh, on September 1st, is actually a big gaming uh, event happening, not just for Blood on the Clock Tower, um, but it is, it, it's just for board games in general and a lot of new designers are testing their games out. What's so this that's one? At the, that's at the Museum of Applied Arts and Science. Uh, I'll, have, so to, I'll on, have to have a look. It's on September 1st. Um, and uh, they're running lots of games of Blood on the Clock Tower there. They've got the designer of Blood on the Clock Tower there oh, as fantastic. well. So fantastic. Fantastic. We're checking out. And uh, just lastly, we're also uh, myself and a friend of mine, Damien uh, from MacArthur Board Gamers. We're running games at Ingleburn RSL, uh, I think the night after, September 2nd. So uh, definitely get yourself down to one of those events. <laughs> yeah. And look, our, look, our final topic tonight before we wrap up this podcast, I think uh, we wanted to both talk about, we kind of talked about, you know, the fact that we've been to events and that we were at an event and that there's an event coming up. But we kind of wanted to talk about uh, just a bit of a subject that we think we both uh, can shed some light on. But like, uh, you know, what is the actual etiquette 
for board game meetups. Now we kind of talked about, you know, at the start of the episode, what do you expect from people when you come to, when we do a board game night, but this is different. Wouldn't you say Ralph, like when we go to a public yeah. meetup space, when we're doing it, you know, what are some of the things that you, know, we, we should, you know, some of the rules, not rules, I should say, but these are some things and these should be like no brainers that we think that gamers and board gamers specifically that we're talking about, you know, let, let's have a chat about what we think, uh, uh, what we think, you know, people should, you know, what's the etiquette? What what should you do, you know, for these games? So uh, definitely, I think one of the the big things um, that you should do is just have a bit of an open mind when you turn up to these events. A lot of people um, might bring some games with them to these things, and you just mm-hmm. have to be sort of willing and, and sort of keen for for their teach and you know for something new. Yeah, I think that's one. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. Uh, I This one, I want to get out of the way because I don't want to hammer on too much. But I think we need to also say as a rule for meetups, if you're ever going to a meetup, especially in a, in a board gaming thing, you need to be, you know, you have to be conscious of your general hygiene going into these things. Like, like, and <laughs> I have to say it. <laughs> someone has to say it, right? Like, we there the stereotype of you know the the smelly gamer is a stereotype for the reason because there are people who don't look after that part of their body. Now, in saying that, we do know that there are people who have general medical issues, so we're not trying to shame anyone here. But realistically, we should all be very, yeah, you know, we should be respectful of the fact that I'm about to share the same space as you for the next three hours, and I may not know you. And my respect to you is that I would like to think that I'm washed clean and using an antiperspirant sort of you know deodorant sort of thing not a lynx not a smell nice i mean a proper antiperspirant right that now i don't want to i don't want to hammer this to home but realistically guys like and this is something that we kind of we expect from people when i come to my house like hey you know this is just a rule of life it shouldn't have to be just a you know again again i apologize for the other week (laughs) ralph i've told you once i've told you a thousand times mate it's you know it's links africa links africa is not a good enough so it's not a substitute okay right yeah we're not 18 anymore my mum's not buying my christmas presents even though she bought me links africa last year (laughs) i um i got gifted a links africa set the other a couple years ago actually and i was like i didn't know they still made these (laughs) yeah they still do i got one from my mum last Last year, I have to admit, she's like still loves to get us the good old, you know, the body wash and the uh, the spray, the spray combo for Christmas. It's still a great. Uh, but look, we won't hammer on that <laughs> one anyway. But like, that's something that we people should be able to expect, though. Like, we want this, we want this to be warm and welcoming and open. And as part of that, you know, people don't want to be next to people who aren't, you know, looking up, who aren't hygienic. Right? I mean, that's like that's just a rule of society. Speaking of warm and welcoming and opening, though, I will say that. You know, if anyone rocks up to a board gaming event, you know, you shouldn't be gatekeeping this hobby from people, right? You shouldn't be, um, you know, uh, you shouldn't be stopping people from feeling like they can be participating, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, you shouldn't punch down on people and things like that. But um, if someone's there and they want to play a game, you know, take the time to teach them uh, and just be patient. You know, we all learn differently and... Uh, some people mightn't be as quick as you are to pick up certain things, but just sort of be patient and, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone can get there and have a bit of fun as well. Yeah. And look, I wanted to be known as well that I'm not referring to people going, Hey, looks, you know, you can say to people and be respectful. Hey, look, sorry, I'm just playing a game with my friends at the moment. 
we, we just want to play this game with ourselves. We're doing stuff. That's fine. Everyone's entitled to have their own gaming groups, but you should mm. never go, sorry, I don't think you're, th- this game is for you, right? Let's say, you know, you should never, like, oh, you don't, you may not understand this. What was the last game that you played? Oh, Monopoly. Poh, well, you're not going to enjoy this. Like, you know, yeah. let, I, the, I've actually found, like, a uh, quick side note, we played a game of Diplomacy last night, right? Uh, so we've talked about before, we played another game. It was fun. But my wife stepped in to fill in the seventh player role. She's never played a war strategy game ever, right? She has never she has never done that kind of stuff. And yet she got in and I told the story and she backstabbed my, my cousin in the first move, right? She knows mm. she and she picked it up, right? So the idea that, you know, as a, as a person, you can politely decline, right? You can say, yeah. no, no, sorry, m- me and my friends, we just want to play a game. However, we'd like to play a game. Like, you know, if you want to play a game, these guys are starting a game, or maybe you can come and join us after this. But, I mean, look, I guess that's the other thing as well. I mean, um, you know, politeness, right? You know, yeah. we should be polite to each other. Actually, um, I was just going to say, because um, you're saying your wife sort of surprised you with a really good play. Um, at my birthday event of Blood on the Clock Tower, uh, one of my friends, his wife is from Japan, and she came here and actually she listens to this. She surprised me and she said, oh, I listened oh. to the first episode. I was like, oh, how sweet. Thank you. Uh, anyway, she told me this during the game of Blood on the Clock Tower, and her role, which she confided in me in round two, was she is the virgin. Now, what that ability is, is if anyone nominates her, that player dies straight away. Right? Right, right. Okay. Anyways, I told one of my friends who used his ability already, and he nominated her, but my friend didn't die straight away. So that told us all that she is evil, and she surprised the hell out of me. She in she appealed to me as a person saying, Ralph, I listened to your podcast. It was amazing. You can trust me. And oh, my God. <laughs> um, uh, but that's the thing. Like, you know, these events, right, this it comes to back to that gatekeeping, right? You don't know. If you don't know a person and you don't know what they're capable of, you shouldn't be assuming. And, in fact, no. the, the more that we not turn people away, the less people we have to play with. And the whole point of this hobby is to play games and share these things with people, you know? That's um, right, just have fun. Yeah, exactly. Have fun. That's the number rule. And I think the final thing that we want to say from a board game etiquette kind of standpoint is respect. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, and this is not just respect of people. This is also being respectful of time. Um, and it's also being respectful of uh, the actual physical games themselves. That's right. People spend a lot of money on these things and they bring them to, to an RSL or, or a bar or, you know, maybe even your house. So you got to look after it as if it was your own sort of thing. Uh, you won't be bending your own cards, um, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. And also, and uh, yeah, that's right. You want to be careful of the board game, uh, of the physical nature of it, but you also want to be you know polite and respectful of the time. Now that means that if yeah. someone's going to teach you a game, you probably should be listening to them. You should be listening and giving them your attention because they're spending their time to, to teach you how to play this game. However, exactly. if you're not enjoying the game, you can also be respectful of your time by going, guys, I'm really not having a good time. I, I don't want to continue with the rest of this game. Well, that's sorry. exactly what I did. I, yeah. I went to a I went to a board game event and there was probably 80 people there. Mm. Um, and someone was teaching me quite nicely Hadrian's Wall, which is a, probably the biggest roll and write I have ever seen. Um, so it's just a game where you're... 
a roll and write essentially you roll dice and you record what happens and you do things on a bit of a worksheet um hadrian's wall is the biggest version of that that i've seen and this person was teaching a table of five players uh, including me and it took him about 30 minutes to get through the teach and i politely at that point after he was done teaching i apologized i thanked him and i said i'm so sorry it's not clicking with me i'm gonna bow out and that's me i pretty much get into every single game and i couldn't do this one you know yeah. months later i ended up buying the game and learned it myself and it's fantastic so but but um yeah that's the that's yeah. the respectful thing to do though right you say look you you sat through the teach and you went look i don't think i'm going to enjoy my time so rather than spoiling your time and my time i'm just going to bow out right now and i'm sure he would have respected that because he, he was still playing yeah. with other players and he's like look that's and i've done that before where i say to people guys if we are not having a good time let me know so many people think that we have to finish a game because we started it. i'm like dudes if you're not having fun i don't want to play this game if you're not, like your enjoyment and i've said this before is your your enjoyment is my priority and if you're not having fun then let's not continue on like i don't want you to sit through this you know i don't want you to have to yeah. not enjoy it and that's it and honestly the purpose of going to board game events is to meet some new people to meet some like-minded people maybe make make a friend or two i've met quite a few people uh just absolutely lovely and uh you know years later we're still getting together going out for a drink and playing a role and ride at a pub <laughs> yeah also maybe you'll find a game that you you think you would never like and maybe you'll find something you're like oh this is actually a lot of fun so there's so much to be had and realistically this hobby is now growing at an enormous pace because people realize like hey you know we want to have that time together yeah yeah exactly right but if i think that pretty much wraps up this episode um sort of meetup etiquette and we cover quite a lot of games is there anything you want to say to people at home as we wrap up uh look i would like to uh just say look i'd like to mention the fact that uh we just we just surpassed our first milestones uh which are being we have got oh, our facebook we did. group and it's okay we we didn't really think about it at the start because we wanted to have all four boys here but i do want to mention it as well that we've just surpassed 50 members on our facebook page as well as we've just surpassed 100 plays in total on the podcast which is fantastic a great opening week but uh, we want that to keep going so we would like you know if you enjoy the content uh, we'd like to invite you to our facebook page uh, you can go uh, to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash board game gateway and you can come and join us there uh, we'll be posting uh, more opinion pieces, podcasts, uh, fun things as well, more posts. We want you to get you involved. We'd love to also get you in our Discord. Uh, if you go to our website, www.boardgamegateway.com, you'll be able to find all the links to our uh, Discord, Facebook, YouTube uh, as well. Uh, we'd like, we'd love to come and join you in Discord. Uh, join us in Discord because yeah, come be play playing. games with us. <laughs> yeah, like we're we're recording this in our Discord at the moment, so this is how we're doing that at the moment. Um, other than that, we just want to invite you to be a part of this community because yes it's our podcast but this podcast is nothing without you guys so other than that uh ralph uh i just say to everyone please if you like what you're listening to subscribe follow if you're on apple podcast leave us a five a five star review if you like it that would be great but leave us a review um we would love to hear from you and um definitely yeah, I mean, and tell yeah. your friends 
yeah, tell your friends. I mean, look, we're yeah. on we're on now more things now. So we're on Google, we're on Apple, we're on Stitcher, we're on we're on Amazon. everything. We're, we're on, on everything. Am- we're on Amazon <laughs> Music. We, we we just put on Amazon Music because someone requested us to get on there, so we did it. Um, and yeah, we're also on Spotify. Was that, so. was that Jeff Bezos? Did he ask us? He's like, can you get on Amazon, please? Yeah, <laughs> I've got I've got Jeff's number in my pocket right now. I'll give him a call up and see if I can get into get up to space or something like that. You know? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. Is it my turn? Uh, I'm a bit confused. I think so. I think, I think yeah. it's your turn. I think, I think you can close no this out. Yeah, I think you can do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Well, I'll keep it short and sweet. Thanks, everyone, and uh, have a good week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.